Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake, BJ Shea, is on assignment and running the boards is Joey D's. Hey. On today's show, I will talk with Gareth about the Orville, aliens and predators, or maybe a little bit of prey. Joe is going to review Bullet Train. Bullet Train. And of course, we'll get the geek sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Uh, get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. Com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. More. Or just search BJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, on the Odyssey Yeah, so many ways to get a hold of us, and we do really appreciate the interaction. Send us an email. Sometimes we'll read them on the air, and sometimes I'll just answer them and, uh, you know, move it on for some people. Uh, somebody recently sent us an email asking about where uh, where to sell magic cards, and it really kind of depends on, you know, where you live. I would check out your local gaming store, but if you don't have one of those, check out cardkingdom.com um, because they have uh, a, a, a buyers who do a lot of stuff and you can send them stuff and go through their procedures obviously do your research when you're doing that sort of thing but shoot us some messages we'll help you out with all of that fun little stuff right there uh right now though we though we knew uh, right now though <laughs> we do need to get to gareth von kallenbach from skewed and review that is sknr.net because there's a lot of stuff that we need to discuss gareth von kallenbach joins us from skewed and review that is sknr.net and gareth Gareth, this is kind of an interesting one because I know that the Orville moved from Fox to Hulu, but now they're making the move again, but it doesn't seem like there's any sort of drama with this, right? No, this was all planned and they announced it at San Diego Comic-Con. It is not leaving Hulu, which is uh, an important thing to remember. It is also appearing on Disney Plus as of uh, Wednesday. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, what's the idea behind it? Well, it's the fact that they're all it's now the same. It's all the same parent company. And there's been a lot of drama. There's a huge outcry about are we going to get a fourth season of the Orville? And of course, Essentially, as it stands now, there are no plans uh, because they had a very long and difficult process making season three due to COVID. It took over three years. Mm -hmm. Um, There were a lot of starts and stops along the way to get these episodes out. They had a much higher budget moving to Hulu, which was reflected in the longer episodes. And, you know, people referred to them as 10 mini movies rather than 10 episodes of a TV show. And then before the season even dropped, it was announced the the cast had been released from their contracts. And, of course, everyone said, well, that's it. That's the end of the show. And then Seth MacFarlane signs his production deal with another company, and he's busy doing TED and all of this stuff. And people are like, well, see, that's it. It's the end of the show. And he has said, Seth MacFarlane, even as recently as last week, we're all interested in doing another season and doing more content. It's up to Hulu slash Disney, who have been supportive of the show. But, you know, as they pointed out, it's an expensive show. I have other commitments, but yes, I can make time. And some people have said, even if they greenlighted it, it's not like it's going to appear in September. It might be another year or two between seasons like we had. So essentially what they're doing right now is they're looking at it. And some say, well, it's been very critically and fan well-received, but it hasn't cracked their top 10 in viewership. 
And moving over to Disney Plus, somebody said to me, you're looking at about a four times the size subscriber base currently. Okay, so really it's like just putting it in the numbers and making it available for everyone who might not have those things because they want to be able to show really how popular they are so maybe they can secure that future. Exactly, and it's also a case of getting people familiar with it that even if you don't do a season, say, in the next couple of years, you're keeping the franchise fresh so maybe you want to do a spinoff maybe you want to do a movie or revisit it somewhere down the road it's there so essentially that's what they're doing a big push on disney plus to say here's something new here's something exciting if you don't have hulu give it a try that's i mean that makes sense and i mean just it's also it makes sense in terms of just having it all out there and just like yes disney has a majority stake in hulu they're all revolving around each other and it kind of makes sense that they would have things that fit the 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 same vibes as they're going with to have them on all those different pro uh, uh platforms totally makes sense now absolutely mo- moving on from that but staying in space um what news do we now have of the aliens uh, or the alien television show well it's moving along it's uh, going to be filming next year overseas and the uh, creative talent behind it has gone ahead and turned in the entire uh, first season of scripts and that would be noah holly who is currently working on the fargo uh, next season of fargo once he gets through with that he uh, will be moving over to this, and we're starting to hear you know, more stuff about it. We've heard that it would be corporate-centric. There might be a more um, Earth-based to it, that it's not going to be the Monster of the Week show per se. I mean, obviously, you can't do Alien without Alien, but we've got a lot of clarification <laughs> that the infamous company, Wayland yutani while it does have a presence, this will actually focus on on one of their rifles. And I think they're trying to uh, really underscore what some of the expanded universe, like the books and the comics have uh, played out that while Wayland Utani is a big player, there are other mega corporations out there. And some of them are from other countries. Some of them are, you know, essentially very bitter rivals. Uh, You know, we already saw uh, a hint of that with the Alien Isolation video game with Siegson, which was another company and such. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I'm also really interested in the fact that when, like, dis- like getting into the the extra, like, I guess the expanded universe, so to speak, as you're looking at it that way, like, we've only ever focused on this one corporation. So I just figured, kind of like, you know, Taco Bell and Demolition Man, that they won the corporation wars and they were really the only game out there. So it'll be interesting to see that other side. Absolutely. And of course, there's a a book series right now. And one of their things that they're really playing on is that there are colonies set up by different factions in different blocks of nations. And they've now started to become very hostile to each other again, which kind of gives you the underlying uh, history of the colonial Marines and why they were important. It's not just to keep pirates and rebels and, and, you know, suppress (laughs) uprisings of colonies. It's to protect them from hostile nations. And, of course, we can all guess what the big bioweapon that somebody's figuring out. Oh, hey, if we get one of these, we can dump these on the rival countries and rival colonies and uh, take over their territory. So you can kind of see 
you know, the whole backbone of the alien is essentially a bioweapon. And it kind and, of makes uh, it makes sense at that point, too, even if you're getting into, like, why they were out there in the first place. It's like, oh, why are you trying to get these things? And it's like, well, yeah, so we can drop it on rival corporations. Unfortunately, that makes more sense now than anything else. And, I mean, just think about, like, looking into, like, you know, the dystopian cyberpunk future stuff. Like, that all sort of actually, like, makes a lot more sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what is really going to be interesting to see how they play that out, because it's also important to note there is also an alien movie in the planning stage with Fede Alvarez, which is going to go directly to streaming on Hulu, but is said to be a very different take, uh, but one that was enthusiastically supported by Ridley Scott and others, but is apparently completely unrelated to any of the existing films. So it'll be very interesting to see what that turns out to be. Well, and I mean, you just talk about that, and we have to go back and just talk about when you're talking about aliens, a lot of the times it'll involve something maybe along the lines with Predator, or you know, at the very least they kind of, uh, <laughs> they if, if they're not sharing the same universe in like mixed media and that sort of thing, they definitely go hand in hand as 80s as sci-fi monsters and prey we talked about it last week you gave your review i ended up watching it this week and it seems like um uh, everybody else watched it on hulu as well yeah it set <laughs> massive numbers for uh hulu it was uh, i mean depending on how you interpret them they pretty much said it's the biggest film debut they've had on the service it Oof. was the biggest anything debut bigger than any television series bigger than any movie it was a massive hit and you know you have some cynics coming out that just are completely uh, against the whole concept of a young native american warrior being able to take on a a female warrior at that being able to take down a predator and they're saying well you know it it doesn't mean it's good it means it's uh, they're just curious well numbers are numbers and the you know reviews have been very good for it and you know any company is going to look at it and say right but look at all the eyes on the screen look at all the hours being watched and ironically it appears that people are indeed re-watching it as well and including those who couldn't stand it because they're going back to find other things to <laughs> pick on so they could support their arguments online. It's like you should see some of these toxic oh forums goodness. and the stuff they're coming up with. And I'm like, you realize that every time you watch this, you're just basically doing exactly what they want. But it, it bodes well because uh, director Dan Trachtenberg has already come out and said They've had some ideas for sequels. He said, obviously, we didn't want to put the cart before the horse and wait and, you know, make it open ended so that there would be naturally, oh, we have to have a sequel. But he said, you know, his attitude is there's essentially 300 years that they could play with all of all leading up to the first film. And then, of course, there are things they could set in the modern era. I've had a lot of people write me and say, I wish they would do one in the future where the colonial Marines and the predators mix it up kind of like they did in some of the comics and books. And I said, that's the beauty of it. Everything's in play right now. And I mean, first off, 92% on the tomato meter. Audience score is a little bit lower at 80%, but that also makes sense. But I felt the writing in this because I watched it and I, I absolutely loved it. And I felt that the writing was smart. It really connected things in the movie as you're watching it. Like it felt that the movie itself was evolving as you were going along. It was like, oh, this thing will come into play later on. And it did. It 
It really felt like there weren't a whole lot of loose ends, if any, that were coming up. So I, I'm I'm almost tempted to kind of start looking around online to see what people's issues were with it because I felt it was a solidly written, solidly acted. The CG was pretty good, except for maybe the bear. The bear was a little goofy on the CGI, but you know what? I'm giving it a pass when it comes to that. Overall, I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm going to go back and watch it again. Absolutely. And that's the thing, because we just have all these people that are, you know, oh, how did they figure out the technology and how did they do that? Well, you know, it, it somebody summed it up very well saying you have a problem with a uh, person 300 years in the past figuring this out, but you don't have the a problem with this gigantic predatory species falling a spaceship to Earth and dropping down and doing all this stuff. And, you know, it, it's, it comes to a point where it's called fiction. You don't have to say, oh, why, did, why about this? But that's the beauty of it. And, you know, the funny thing about it is even that you have this group of toxic people toward the film and its presence, it's generating all this online buzz, and that's yeah. what is so interesting. And that, you know, what comes next? Or, you know, people are like, the bigger picture of this is that you have to accept that this was a property that Disney purchased. They had to do a settlement because the original rights holders were trying to get them back. And there were all these so-called experts saying, oh, they're going to sell off the property. They're not going to do these R-rated things. And I said, they did not spend $74 billion to acquire these Fox properties, (laughs) of which Alien and Predator are a piece of to get rid of. And then immediately became, well, yeah, it's going to be woke. It's all going to be watered down. And it's like, well... I think they sent a very loud message that, no, it's not going to be watered down. It was a very you know, R-rated film. And I look at it and say that is nothing but a massive success, and I think it shows them. I mean, look, you've had the studios take shots at it uh, with three prior films, not mm-hmm. to mention the AVP films. I think we can pretty much say this is the best one since the original. Yeah. It looks to me like the franchise is in very good hands now. And the, even the best part is we just mentioned, we just talked about the fact that there could be another Alien movie coming out on Hulu. And this sets a really big precedent just for the simple fact of the matter is that Hulu is now doing the same thing that we were like shocked that Netflix was doing uh, and were excited about was they're making their own movies. And you look at that with like Amazon and all of these different studios doing doing that are these streaming services that are making these with the studios and that is exciting i would i would love to see prey on the big screen at this point in time to be perfectly honest so hopefully there's something going to come in, come down the pipe at some point but the fact that you can sit at home and still watch this at your leisure um, is nothing to sneeze at absolutely and of course like I said, you know, you mentioned the big screen version of it i think that's good we've had a lot of people say i'd love to see it on the big screen i'd love Uh, you know, how it's going to play out in the future. And I'm curious if down the line, if this is, you know, they they kick the tires and they've seen that the market for the films are there. And of course, the argument was always, well, there's a select fan base, but you can't go above a certain budget because these things traditionally are not big theatrical earners. And so maybe this is the sweet spot that we can make a budget-friendly film Mm -hmm. on a streaming platform where it's going to do well. We can still move the games and the merchandise and then DVDs. But maybe they will take an approach that some of the other studios are looking at and saying, we will do a limited theatrical release tied in with the um, streaming for those. I mean, let's be honest, for those 
that don't have Hulu but yeah. want to see this, we'll we'll open it for like a week in various theaters around the country on a smaller release schedule. But I'm I'm just really curious to see what's coming because I think it you know unless they have a massive drop off this week in numbers. You got to think they're already talking about, all right, what's next and mm-hmm. where are we going with this? And I would think that's going to come soon. And then, of course, as we mentioned, all eyes are going to turn on Alien. What's, you know, what's yeah. the Alien yeah. franchise going to look like? And, and, and then, I mean, let's not get too crazy, but we've already had the crossover. Are they going to be bold enough to say, hey, let's try Alien versus Predator again somewhere down the line? Or are they going to keep <laughs> the two franchises separate? That's. If, 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 All in play. if the Alien franchise uh, comes back the way that it's possible for the Predator with just this movie, I'm super excited. And I do love the fact that you did call this a long time ago, which means people need to pay attention to Skewed and Reviewed because you're calling out stuff years before it happens. So you go to SKNR.net, get all that information as it happens, get that speculation that, eh, it might come true. <laughs> Garrett, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Anytime. Take care now. And yeah, just like I said with Gareth, like go see Prey. It's worth it. You don't have to go anywhere. Like just just see Prey, like in your house because it's on Hulu and it's really easy to uh, watch it. Sit, pray, watch. Oh, yes. look at that! All I right. like that. And you don't even need Julia Roberts in your uh, in no, your uh, you TV do to not. do that. Uh, speaking of movies, though, Joe, you did go. Now, did you go outside of your house to go see Bullet Train? I got off the couch. Oh, and look I walked. at that. And I went to the theater (laughs) to go see Bullet Train with Brad Pitt as Ladybug. And so Brad Pitt (laughs) plays a character named Ladybug who must procure a briefcase from somebody on this bullet train. Yes. So this is an action movie kind of based off of, in a weird way, like um, uh, a book, but in a Japanese art style. So like a mystery thriller kind of a thing. But instead of like the mystery being the main plot, it's more of like a satire. And it's oh. like a Fast and the Furious uh, makes, meets a murder mystery book. Pretty fun movie, not going to lie. Uh, Brad Pitt, of course, is the main character as Ladybug. And he has to get a briefcase with a lot of money in it oh. off of a train. And, of course, nothing goes right. Well, <laughs> and I, I've seen the trailers for it, so I haven't seen this yet, but I'm very intrigued by it. Uh, but uh, this is like sort of his kind of as an aging assassin or a, uh, aging ne'er-do-well at the very least. An unlucky assassin, for sure. He's uh, uh, he's kind of like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And of course, they're like, no, this is what you have to do. And there seems to be a variety of characters who are also looking for this briefcase. Yes, there's a side plot that goes along that kind of goes with like a Yakuza-type gang that's uh, going along the train. I don't want to spoil anything, because I could say one thing and not know whether or not it would spoil <laughs> things. Fair enough. But there are a bunch of different assassins on the train. You don't know who is and who isn't. And essentially, it stops for just one minute in between each stop because it's like a bullet train. Yeah, yeah. It's quick on, quick off. And even like in Japan, that's very true. Like all their trains are like on the dot. That seems terrifying if you're like stuck in like, uh, I don't know, like rush hour or something Mm -hmm. along those lines. Like I don't, I don't want to miss my train, yeah. yeah. Like, and I don't want to like be the person to stop a whole bunch of people because I'm not paying. I guess I guess you yeah. are paying attention when you're going to get off and on these. Yes, and so that plays a major role in why they can't get off the train and why this briefcase is so hard to get. <laughs> and so Brad Pitt is—he's funny. He's old, and he is. And I got to tell you, the dude still moves well. His choreography, you know, they've definitely lessened the moves. He's like a uh, video game character. Like, he's in his fifth iteration by now, so he's got his three bread and butter moves, and that's what you're getting. There you, know? you go. Okay, yeah. But he still looks good. <laughs> he still plays well, you know? <laughs> so it's fun to watch him on screen. Uh, the comedy's great. 
Uh, there's this lo- uh, this lovely duo of uh, Lemon and Tangerine, who are two of the assassins that you meet immediately on- in the movie. And they're just this amazing duo, both, I want to say, like, British or Australian almost. Was it Air- Aaron Taylor-Johnson's character? Yes, yep. and Brian and Henry. Yep. And they, Brian uh, Tyree Henry, which we saw in Eternals. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, he played the, uh, I don't want to say the architect, but the uh, engineer uh, yeah, guess, industrial yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. The guy with the technology man, yes. Faustus, I think. And uh, they are awesome. They steal the show. And you can tell because of how much of the plot is kind of uh, around them for no reason, in a way. Uh, and it runs pretty quick. Uh, I would say uh, one of our listeners did mention uh, that they thought it was a little long. There's like 10 minutes in the middle of the movie where I would say they could have cut it out. It runs about just a little bit over two hours. Yeah. So, okay. 145 would have been perfect. I didn't realize. I I did know that uh, David Leach Lich uh, did Deadpool two. I didn't realize he also did Fast and the Furious, Prisons, Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, and he also did Atomic Blonde. Atomic oh, Blonde. And you like that one, right? Uh, yeah, I had to buy it on Blu-ray. <laughs> like I loved it that much, and Damn. it has uh, Charlize Theron on it, and she's a badass. Seriously, go watch it if you haven't already. So right now, like looking at the old tomato meter, because, you know, that's how we judge everything in our lives. uh, The aggregate with the critics is at 54 percent, with the audience score being at 77 percent. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'd say it landed right in the middle, probably like a six and a half, maybe on a seven if I'm being a little biased, because I think you really have to understand what this is trying to do. Like this is trying to be a Japanese style movie. It's not trying to be an American movie. And I mm-hmm. think if you don't know that, or if you don't watch a lot of that style or don't like it, it will drag down because there's not really a plot. Like that plot is just out the door. Yeah, it's like MacGuffin, get MacGuffin. Everyone's yeah. going to go get MacGuffin. Yeah, mm-hmm. less than Fast and the Furious. I'm talking like <laughs> they don't even go into any of the backstory. It, it reminds me It reminds me a little bit of uh, a movie that's very old at this point in time called Smoke and Aces, yes. where it was just like an ensemble cast, and you'll get a kind of little bit of cameos uh, of all the people going along. But it's running a pretty, and especially with a, a bullet train, a pretty linear line. But you're just trying to get to basically the next like action scene. Yeah, this is like what happens when the world throws you like a bomb, and then all the characters interact, as opposed to like because they kind of try to tell it through Ladybug and Brad Pitt. But you know, it's really the story is not really about him. Yeah, it's, he's just kind of a character in it. But mm-hmm. you watch it through his eyes, and that's how they tell it. It. But yeah, this could have just been a side quest for a movie that they could have done later on. And you'd be like, oh, so this is the world they're in. I don't think that takes Interesting, a, yeah. yeah. I don't think it takes away from the movie because you kind of know that going into it. It's a popcorn flick. You, get, you know what you're getting into when you get in, into a movie like this, or at least you should. Yeah, and like, so, like I said, all the actors are great. The action's great. And then you get a great cameo at the end, which is amazing, which is no spoilers. You'll, you'll, you won't even see it coming kind of a thing. It's, <laughs> it's pretty fun. And they joke about it, and they do like the fun Asian kind of uh, commercialism where they have their like uh, pro- product placement, like really blatant, but like yeah. funny. Yeah, like, there's a scene with a Fuji water where you're like, "What is going on? Why is why are we going on a journey with this Fuji water?" But or Fiji water, but it's very funny. And uh, I enjoyed it, and I think that uh, is really uh, what you would want from one of your action thrillers that you know, like you said, popcorn going into it. You're not, yeah. you're not looking to be blown away. It's not one of movie of the year, but I am happy to see that Brad Pitt can still move. Nice. <laughs> now, the, the, the last question on this, do you feel that it's a theater-worthy movie, or is this also just fun to be able to you know, wait until it comes out uh, uh, on home theater and watch it at your house? Oh, man. I think this would actually be better as a home theater movie. Fair. Yeah, because I think you want to be around your friends to like talk and laugh about and have it. have some fun with it. Yeah, as opposed right on. to, like, because there aren't any of those, like, 
bombastic scenes where like the sound comes in and you need to like really feel like Inception fair, or anything fair, like yeah. that. Right on, right on. Thank you so much, dude. Yeah. And now it is time for The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky. What do you got for us? Movies, movies, movies. So many movies. And, movies. I, movies. and I say that because the first movies is bodies, bodies, bodies. <laughs> we talked about it last week, so yeah. I'm thinking it was like a limited release and then full on release this week. Okay. It's getting really well reviewed in case you were wondering. This is the one with Pete Davidson. It's like a. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of Scream, but for today's age. Yeah. Um, 92% on the tomato meter, 80% audience score, which is really, really good for not only like a horror, but also a comedy movie, yeah. like a teen type movie or like young adult movie. And did we mention last week that Maria Baklava is in it? I don't think we did. Now, if you don't remember that name, I don't blame you because she's been in one thing before for sure, and that she played the daughter of Borat That's in right. the Borat sequel. Mm-hmm. And so that is uh, that is Marie. She's in this one. You did mention Pete Davidson, and even Lee Pace is in this. And I think you yes. even mentioned Lee Pace last week. So, yeah, so that one's back out. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a, like, I'm guessing a more fully released. It looks like you could buy it as well on Voodoo, according to Rotten Tomatoes. Fair enough. And this is from the A24 studio that has done a lot of smaller kind of, I don't want to call them indie flicks, but this this was the same studio that did everything everywhere all at once. Ah, so, so they're just putting out some good stuff. It reminds me of like New Line Cinema in the 90s, which when you're talking about Scream, they were uh, definitely a part of that uh, that whole group. Mm-hmm. It's just like... A smaller studio, and it might be, you know, a conglomeration of a bigger one or anything like that. But the ones that are more willing to kind of take those risks and have those weirder, more out mm-hmm. there movies. I love that they're fully like going into the Gen Z thing because one of their posters says, This is not a safe space. Because ah. obviously people are <laughs> getting killed. It's only an hour and 35 minutes long, which. Which is surprising. Well, well and it'll also help with a, uh, with a horror movie as well. And for the next movie, we have Grumpy Cat. No, what? not really. Oh, uh, it's like, wait, uh, wait, wait. It, uh, Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Who did the voice of Grumpy Cat. She is my Grumpy Cat. Wait, oh, never mind. Uh, maybe, moving on. Moving on. This movie is already <laughs> certified fresh at 92%. No audience score as of yet. What's the actual name of it? Emily the Criminal. Emily the Criminal? Yeah. I haven't even heard of this one. So it's about Emily, believe it or not, uh, played by Aubrey Plaza. It says, down on her luck and saddled with debt, Emily gets involved in a credit card scam that pulls her into a criminal underworld of Los Angeles Ultimate leading, ultimately leading to a deadly consequence. Oh. Uh, it also has uh, Theo Rossi, who we remember in, he was, we've seen him in everything. He was uh, the bad guy in Luke Cage, one of the bad guys. Yeah, that was right. I, I He was in Army of the Dead. Uh, what was the other one? Okay, yeah. I, there's a couple of the, like, he's one of Sons those of guys. Arnicky. Yeah, yep. that you'll, like, see his face and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember this guy. He was guy. Shades. That's the name. Shades. That's right, yeah. I feel like he's one of those actors that's going to be, like, you see him every, like, who is this guy? I recognize him. And I feel like eventually he's going to land that one giant role that's just mm-hmm. going to boom. Mm-hmm. But he plays a character named Yusuf. <laughs> All right. Uh, but it says it's a crime, drama, mystery, thriller. Uh, she's, you know, she's basically saddled with student debt, which a lot of people in our age group understand that. <laughs> right. Uh, but like I said, it's getting 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. So These are some like okay. highly rated from the uh, from the critics uh, films here. Which is very surprising, especially given the uh, genre, if you will. Yeah, because I mean, even in terms of like, we we're just talking about horror, or, like th- thrillers or crimes, they can really either go one way or the other. 
uh, a lot of the times the critics are like, ah, this is terrible. But then the audience will be like, no, this is actually pretty fantastic. I had a lot of good horror movies come out this summer, which I just don't really remember. Nope. Uh, that yeah. phone booth or whatever that was. Oh, oh, uh, Black called. Phone. Black Phone. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, this is the year for it. But it's like, yeah, either like horror movies will be like kind of dumped in February or they would wait until like September or October, you know, like Halloween time to do this. Uh, the next one is one I keep getting ads for. Like, I keep seeing the videos when I'm watching, like, YouTube and stuff. It keeps getting pulled on. Mm-hmm. It's called Fall. I don't know if you've seen the trailers for this one. Like Autumn? No. Like oh. Falling. Oh, no. This reminds me of The Shallows, which is the one with Blake Lively, where she's just kind of stuck in the middle of nowhere, like, on, like, a weird secluded beach area, and there's a shark. Yeah. Kind of vibe. It, it, this kind of has, like, a one location mostly for the whole movie. Uh, Basically, it's for best friends Becky and Hunter. Life is about conquering fears and pushing limits, but after they climb a 2,000 feet to the top of a remote abandoned radio tower, they find themselves stranded with no way down. Now, Becky and Hunter's expert climbing skills will be put to the ultimate test as they desperately fight to survive the elements, a lack of supplies, and vertigo-inducing heights in this adrenaline-fueled yeah. thriller co-starring Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Ooh, Negan's in it. Now, <laughs> now the thing is, is like, first off, I saw the movie poster, and I'm like, oh, hell no. Uh, I'm not a person who has, like, an unreasonable fear of heights. I feel I have a very reasonable um, I feel like that's true dissuasion with a, of heights. That's true with a lot of different uh, fears. I feel like I, it's very... <laughs> It's very logical for me to be afraid of spiders. <laughs> right? I know. And you never know what's going to happen with those. And with like this, just looking at that and seeing like this 2,000 foot tall radio tower. Nope. I'm like, mm, exactly. Like we were just talking about nope. 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 Uh, and I'm just like imagining because I recently got a uh, a new VR set, and it's <laughs> like they have those ones where you go up into space and you start looking at it and you see, or like going up into a hot air balloon. And at that same point, it's it's like if they did this in like a VR, like this movie in a VR, I don't think that I would even be able to get anywhere near it. And side note: If you like, the two main actresses in this are Grace Carolyn Curry. And Ginny Gardner, and I'm like, where are they from? Grace Carolyn Curry, I think, played like the, the one of the foster sisters in Shazam, like the older one. Oh, okay. And then uh, Ginny Gardner starred in Halloween. She played a character named Vicky. Oh. Which, side note, I, I've been saving this for a while, and I wanted to talk about it. Something <laughs> I've noticed is that the name Vicky and Bruno have been popping up everywhere. Now. In everything. Yeah, because uh, Bruno was in Miss Marvel. Yes, there was Miss Marvel. Yeah. There was also obviously uh, Encanto. Brian. Yeah, <laughs> Encanto. Yeah. We don't talk about Bruno, but then in the the newer film, Luca from Disney, also like Silencio Bruno. That's what they would say to like stop the voice in your head telling you like to be afraid. Oh, really? That's what they would say. It's like you say Silencio Bruno. Just don't think about it. And so I'm hearing Bruno everywhere, and I'm also hearing Vicky everywhere too, like from Stranger Things. And yeah. Like Halloween, there was another one that I was also trying to like save and remember, but I'm noticing that name being used more and more. Like th- for a while, it was always like the Ashleys and the Britneys mm-hmm. and that kind of a thing. So Vicky's back all. You're back, just like fashion, Vicky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Oh, that's why I also recognize Ginny Gardner. She was also uh, in The Runaways. Oh. She played uh, Carolina. She was the alien. Oh, all right then. 
Uh, that's why I'm like, oh, something else, something else. But yeah, side note, yeah. So if you guys see any other characters named Bruno or Vicky that are like newer, epi- new stuff, yeah. let me know because I'm kind of keeping a little list here. <laughs> you got a little list of all the different ones? Just because it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. And, and I'll be honest, like whenever I see uh, the Reverend in Fuego and somebody uses that as a name, uh, I really get uh, stoked about that. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Actually, yeah. the uh, <laughs> the Kraken's new team mascot, their, uh, their other team is uh, Last. The mascot's name is Fuego. And I had to actually, I got really excited for that. So I can't even joke about that. (laughs) Well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.